Hey, Dog Walk listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. All right, Bang Bang, today is Friday. It's November 5th. Welcome to the Dog Walk presented by Barstool Sports. True Crime Friday. I'm here with Allie. Allie, how are you today? I'm good. I'm here with you virtually this today. Virtually. Allie's in her uh, apartment. Looks great. It's a new place. Hopefully there won't be hard construction all over the place like there was <laughs> at the old place. Um, but, yeah, it's good to, uh, good to, good to do this. You're, 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 you're settling down in your new life, so. Yes, I'm becoming an adult, Eddie. Yeah, there you go. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. All right, Allie, what are we getting into today? All right, Eddie, today we are doing the mansion murders in D.C. Have you heard of them? The mansion. Mansion. No, I have not. This was a listener suggestion, um, actually a pretty recent listener suggestion, and I, you know, I saw it and it looked really interesting to me. It was a story I had not heard before either. Um, but okay, so this is a new story for you. This actually is a pretty recent, as far as like in context to the, a lot of the cases we talked to, this one actually took place in May of 2015. So not really that long ago. Uh, and we talk about a lot of cases that are in 60s, 70s, 50s, things like that, 40s even. So this took place, well, it started on the night of May 13th, 2015. The Savopolos family was expecting a normal day at their home, um, a.k.a. their mansion in the Woodley Park neighborhood of Washington, D.C. Now, Mr. Savopolos was the CEO of American Ironworks, which was a construction company that specialized in building big commercial buildings and also big government buildings. So he had, you know, kind of his foot in the door, kind of fits there for being in D.C. He was, you know, the family was well off. Obviously, they were living in a mansion in D.C. We all know D.C. is super expensive to live in. Um, So that's where, you know, that's where they were located. May 13th, the family was, you know, doing their thing when all of a sudden a intruder intrudes into their house, bursts into their house and takes them hostage, all of them. Um, this was Mr. and Mrs. Savopoulos, their son, Philip, and also their housekeeper, Vera. Now, this, this intruder, you know, this random intruder, started to demand $40,000 in cash or else, you know, or else he would kill them. And he wasn't, he wasn't just like, you know, asking them for the money. 
When I say he took them hostage, I mean he bound the adults to the chairs. He was beating them with baseball bats. Um, the son, Philip, was held up in his room. So, I mean, this was like a brutal attack yeah. right at the beginning. Now, handing over $40,000 in cash, even for somebody who may or may not be like super well off, this was one, not something you can just like do immediately. Most people, I would say, do not have $40,000 in cash lying around their homes. Secondly, you know, so this is going to take some time. Secondly, someone is like, just makes an immediate demand. Hey, give me $40,000 in cash. You might be a little hesitant to be like, "Mm, no, rather not, you know, not today. So again, this is like a, you know, this complete random intrusion. Now they're asking for $40,000 in cash. He's bound these people there. He's beating them. It was, you know, a huge ordeal. In the meantime, so obviously this is something that Mr. Savopoulos is, you know, it, it takes time to even be able to like get this cash, say we're going to give it to them. In the meantime, the intruder held them all night long, the entire night. He was calm enough to order two pizzas to the house, which he actually paid for by leaving an envelope of cash on the um, porch so he wouldn't have to interact with anybody. But he was brutal enough to continuously all night long, obviously beat the family. And he also used their son, Philip, as a means to try and get the money out of Mr. Savopoulos to get the money faster by torturing the son all night long. So targeting him like, Hey, look, I'm going to torture your son until you give me this money. Like extremely messed up stuff going on. That's like the worst thing you could do because it's not... You know, so many things, it's always like, I'd rather suffer than someone else, especially a loved one. So that's horrible. Exactly. So, you know, this was, um, clearly this was a one, a targeted attack. This wasn't a random attack. Um, and two, this was, I mean, clearly very planned out knowing like he had a strategy, um, as far as like targeting the sun, knowing that Mr. Savopoulos would comply with those kinds of things, things along those lines. So this was not. This was not like a random break-in where the family just happened to be home. Now, like I said, they held them the entire night, or he held them the entire night. And then in the early, late morning, mid-afternoon-ish of May 14th, so the next day, Mr. Savopoulos' personal assistant showed up at the house left $40,000 exactly in cash on the seat of one of the cars that was parked in the family's garage. So obviously, though, this is somebody, you know, he was able to get the money. Um, This person dropped it off. And so now this intruder has, has what they are asking for and can go, you know, hopefully case closed. However, the intruder was not satisfied. He took his money and you know so now he's he's got his cash that is exactly what he's asking for but he was not dumb enough in he essentially he was not going to leave any witnesses behind so being that you know he again he's got what he's asked for and i was like all right these people have seen me i have done horrible things to these people i have just extorted forty thousand dollars out of them i'm not about to just like let them go. So 
instead of just leaving with his money, he bludgeons the family to death. And if that was not overkill enough, he also stabs them as well, just as an extra like insult to injury already. Yeah. So this guy is brutal. Like a, you can only imagine the scene that was left in that house. So he's beating these people to death. He's stabbing them to death. Their son, um, Philip and the housekeeper, Vera, you know, his, his intentions is to kill all four of these people. He is not going to leave behind one single witness. As if the bludgeoning and stabbing them was not enough already, then he decides before he leaves that he's going to set the house on fire to destroy any evidence or to destroy the bodies. Um, again, like I said, this was incredibly planned out, obviously. So... He, do, he does exactly that. He sets the house on fire, which actually started in the, um, in the bedroom where three of the bodies were found. Now, he flees. He takes um, the family Porsche. He goes off. Later that afternoon, the fire department gets a 911 call. Hey, there's a house fire. Here's the address. You know, we need to put this out immediately. Firefighters arrive. They begin fighting the fire, and they realize oh crap, there's bodies inside this house. Now, they start pulling the bodies out of the house and they very quickly realize that you know, there, there was enough of the four of them left to realize that they did not die because of the fire. So they could tell that not only was this a fire that they now had to put out, but this was a crime scene. So they do, which I know we've talked about in other cases, when you have... Like fire itself will not um, destroy a body. Like fire itself is not hot enough to um, destroy like bones and stuff. That has to be done at a very, very like super high temperature under super, you know, a lot of pressure, yada, yada, yada. So like a house fire is not going to do that. But what a house fire will do is destroy evidence. And, you know, I, in this case, the intruder was hoping that it would destroy enough evidence to not lead back to him. Now, the problem with this is when you have a crime scene that is now on fire, the firefighter's job is to put the fire out. You cannot do that without disturbing the crime scene. So they put the fire out and they immediately start treating it as a crime scene. However, it's already been tampered with because they had to put the fire out, right? So they're, you know, they're spraying water, extinguishers, whatever it may be. They're walking all over. They're pulling these bodies out. They're relocating things. Like, so much evidence is tampered with. Like, not that they can't get, you know, some good evidence from it still, but you don't have a clean crime scene at the, you know, at the beginning of when authorities are going to start looking at it. So when they pulled the bodies out, all four of them, all three of the Savopolos family members were dead. Vera was barely clinging to life after being beaten, stabbed, set on fire. Um, She was given immediately CPR and she was transported to the hospital and she actually ended up dying there later. So now we've got a quadruple homicide in a wealthy neighborhood of Washington, D.C., of a CEO of a company who built government buildings. Can you imagine the media frenzy that this that ensued after this you know yeah. word spreads quickly when a house catches on fire and four bodies are pulled off of it 
and you're also in Washington, DC. Yeah. Right. So now you add in, obviously, you know, there's being in that there's always going to be like a, some sort of, I'm sure there was a million and one conspiracy theories behind that. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. But at this point they don't know, you know, who this intruder was they, to them. All they found was a house fire. Now, just to make this case, you know, even worse, the whole family is dead. The housekeeper is dead, which the family was really close to the housekeeper. Um, so all four of these people are dead. The Savopolises actually had two teenage daughters as well, but they were away at boarding school at the time. So they had to get a call, say, hey, your house caught on fire, and now the rest of your family and the housekeeper that you were very close to was a very good family friend. They all died. And guess what? It wasn't because of the fire. Like that is a huge yeah. uplifting. And you have to find that out over a phone call. That's tough. Yeah. So like I said, um, the intruder, he fled by taking the family, the family's Porsche. This Porsche later that day, that same day, was found in a church parking lot, also on fire. And this was over, it was actually over in Maryland, which obviously it's, you know, right by the border. So it's not like crazy that it was in another state, but it gives you an idea of like where the intruder was headed because he had to, you know, go there and he parks the car in a church parking lot, set that on fire too. Now, like I said, this was a huge media fren- frenzy, and uh, you know, almost immediately, this a nationwide manhunt was ensued for this intruder. Being that, again, being that it was such a huge media frenzy, being that it was in D.C., it's a wealthy family, you know, the whole nine yards it adds up. Did not take a, a super long time to find who did this. On May twenty, so again, this house fire was attended to on May 14th. By May 20th, a Mr. Darren Wint was arrested near the DC Maryland border in his car for this, for for all that we've got going on here. In his car at the time when he was arrested, there was a large stack of $100 bills and several money orders to which very obvious where that came from right people one yeah at least people i know do not like ride around with stacks of hundreds and money orders like chilling in their car he obviously just came into a huge lump sum of money there's the extortion money police had actually though tied initially tied this crime this this quadruple homicide this house fire this car fire um intrusion kidnapping extortion arson the whole nine yards, they tied it back to Wint because they were actually able to, even though the house was on fire, they were able to salvage DNA off of a piece of um, half-eaten pizza from that pizza he ordered in earlier on when he was holding the family. So he was smart enough to be like, hey, I don't want to leave evidence behind, so I'm going to set these, this house on fire, but left the half-eaten pizza in the home, which had his DNA all over it. Also, I mean, like, what a crazy way to be caught, right? Like, here's the DNA from your pizza that you ate after this insanely brutal crime is 
wild. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to like even get DNA off it after it was in a house that was on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. So went was then Darren went was then charged with like I said, he was charged with murder, obviously. Um, kidnapping, burglary, extortion, theft, uh, arson. I don't know if I said arson. He pled not guilty on all charges. Therefore, as we know, when you plead not guilty, his case went to trial. Mm -hmm. This trial lasted for seven weeks. That is a pretty long trial. And in, in this time, he decided that he was going to, or he and his defense team, I should say, decided that they were going to try and blame it on Darren's brother. Say, oh, my brother actually committed these crimes. I was in the house, but I stayed downstairs the whole time. My brother actually went upstairs and did all everything else. Tortured, murdered, set the house on fire. Yeah, I was just, I was there, but I didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, so dumb. Mm-hmm. Now, this was clearly a bold-faced lie. And even Darren's brother got up on the stand and testified against him, saying, I was not involved in this in any way, had an airtight alibi, was never charged in it because he, he was not involved in this. Darren very much acted alone. Now, the tough part initially, at least during the trial, was prosecution had a hard time coming up with a motive behind why Darren went was targeting this family, why it all played out like this. Like, what was the motive behind that? Why this family? Why the entire family? You know, why was it like this? The whole nine yards. This, you know, so this is a struggle which, you know, helped Darren, but prosecution just had a hard time, like, linking their connection. Turns out that Darren Wint was actually employed at American Iron Works, who Mr. Savopoulos was the CEO. He was employed there from 2003 to 2005. So over 10 years ago at the time this is happening. Wint was, when he was working there, he left in 2005 because he was actually fired for threatening a coworker with a knife. So he's got some violent background. And after being fired from American Ironworks, he had a hard time keeping any stable employment. So now he's basically got like a grudge against American Ironworks, which means he's got a grudge against Mr. Savopoulos. Now, like I said, he had a hard time keeping stable employment. So he was struggling for money. Now he was growing angry. He's got a grudge. He actually asked to be rehired by American Ironworks in 2008 and 2009. But after an incident like that, the chances of you coming back are slim to none. And in this case, it was none. He was not getting rehired by them, which made him even more angry. Now, in 2010, he actually was arrested. Darren was arrested at a gas station that was located across from... American Ironworks headquarters because he was armed with a BB pistol and a machete. I don't know about you, Eddie, but those are not two things I typically carry around with me. No, no, not even one of them. Not even one of them. And 
this was, you know, this gas station was right across from American Ironworks. So again, they linked the two, say, you know, not sure what you're, what you were planning on doing, but we're going to, we're going to arrest you before you can do it. Based on this, you know, spiteful past and this grudge that he was holding, it was absolutely clear or became very clear that Darren Wint had a huge vendetta against Mr. Savopoulos. Even, you know, like I said, we are 10 years down the road from when he was fired. Mm-hmm. This is like it's a the long, ultimate, yeah. you know, premeditation for yeah. 10 years. It's a longstanding grudge. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, you know, he was strapped for cash. He decided, all right, you know, these people screwed me over, screwed me over, even though he threatened a coworker with a knife. In his mind, American Ironworks, a.k.a. Mr. Stavopoulos, screwed him over. He was now hurting for money, so he was. that's exactly how he was going to get back at them. He was going to hurt them, and he was going to take their money. Now, obviously, um, Darren Wint was ultimately convicted of premeditated first-degree murder for the Stavopoulos family and their housekeeper. And ultimately, after all of his charges, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole as he should be. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. I mean, how about trying to throw your brother under the bus like that? Right. Like, like if whoa. I was a brother, I'd this. Like I wasn't even there. Whoa. You do something. So what if it was, sorry if I missed this point, but if it was, if it was more about a grudge about being, you know, a job dispute, what was the money? The money aspect had to play a factor too. That's so. Yeah. Cause he was like hurting for money. Yeah. He couldn't find any stable employment after that. I would assume it probably like... has something to do with the fact that you see at his last employment, he got fired for threatening a coworker with a knife. Probably going to be a pretty hard time finding a job. after. Yeah. That. And I know you said that like he was having money, like to dip two birds with one stone, so to speak was just, yeah. uh, I mean, I guess if you're going to, I don't know. I don't know how these people think. Yeah. But to just, you're right. Like just toss your brother under the bus like that is brutal. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, All right, Allie. I've seen Manson murders of DC. Yeah. Wow. All right, Allie. Thank you. That's today's True Crime Friday. You'll be back in studio next week. I will be back next week. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's it for today, everybody. That's it for this week. We'll see you guys on Monday.